0: Happy King's Birthday, New Zealand. Welcome to a very special King's Birthday edition of the Matt and Jerry podcast. We've got a man on the show today called Dave Fishwick. He started out poor in Burnley. And worked his way all the way up to owning his own freaking bank, the Bank of Dave. This is a double BAFTA winning UK media sensation with the biggest movie on Netflix right now in the United Kingdom. Welcome to the show. Here in the studio, Mr. Fishwick. Dave Fishwick, welcome to the show. How long have you been in New Zealand for? When did you touch down? Dan off. I've been New Zealand and I've brought the sunshine. You bought the sunshine. Yeah, it's beautiful, isn't it? It's uh, Burnley weather we're running here in New Zealand. Have you been here before? Never. Never. And to be honest, I've
1: really enjoyed it. Yeah. I've met some wonderful people. The, the friendliness,
0: yeah, you know, it's
1: just incredible. It's just, it's just like being in the UK in lots of ways. And I think we could work together
0: far more than what we do. Wow, well, we have just signed a free trade agreement, haven't we? Ah, you yeah, see. yeah. Well, you know how it worked for the economy in New Zealand is we just lived off uh, the UK selling our food. Uh, and we became very, very wealthy. And then in the late 1970s, the EU deal was signed and New Zealand just got cut off. Oh. We got, one day we were just cut off. And then we had to find new ways to make money. And uh, it's made us stronger because we were cut off. It made us stronger. And now we're back in selling our crap to the UK. Fantastic. Yeah. So you grew up in Burnley. Tell us about growing up in Burnley. Well, I left school at 16 years yep. old. Absolutely
1: useless. <laughs> I didn't have the price of a chip butter. I had no qualifications whatsoever. Straight onto a building site. Builder's labourer. Up and down ladders. Bucket of cement in each hand. Proper graft. 50 to $60 a week if I work weekends. That was it. That was just how it all started. How would you go from builder's labourer to building the first new bank for 150 years in Britain and then Hollywood turn up and make a movie about it? Well, how do you do that? Exactly. I haven't done it. You've well, done it. Well, the thing is, how do you start a business with nothing? Because when I got started, I had absolutely
0: nothing. But did you, when, you, when you were on the building site, you must have had your, uh, you know, what they say, lying in the gutter, eyes at the stars kind of situation.
1: Yeah, it was just hard. Everything was hard. Yeah. Um, $10 a day wages, you know, 35 years ago, it was the YTS Youth Training Scheme. Government thought it was a good idea to give you $10. You know, my mum took half of that. So... Things were hard and I remember being in a chip shop and ordering a chip butty and they're cooking the chips and I'm putting the salt and vinegar on and then I put my hand in my pocket and I pulled 36 pence out and it was 39 pence. And I'm thinking, <laughs> oh, I'll just tell her to take a handful of chips off the top, knowing that she wouldn't, you know, because yeah. I've put salt and vinegar on now. And do you know what she did? She took a handful of chips
0: off the top and threw them in the bin. Oh. And I
1: thought, I don't want to be poor.
0: That is a metaphor f- for something. Yeah, being poor. Yeah, that's what I felt. Just the throwing of the chips in the bin. <laughs> so I thought,
1: what can I do? I love cars. I want to get into cars. I want to buy and sell cars. But I didn't have the price of a gallon of petrol. So how do you start a business with nothing? You think outside the box. That's what you have to do. So I went around all the garages. I was chatting to people, talking to people. said, look, could I take an old pod exchange away? Clean it up. I'll do a lot of work on it for nothing clean it up and sell it and I'll bring you back an arranged amount of money and the difference is mine
0: and eventually
1: I knocked in enough doors one said yes Bath Street garage in Nelson
0: so just a second can I go back to that because look you've got a beautiful accent but so you were you were getting the cars and you were just what doing them up yeah Yeah. so
1: this guy he let me take old pod exchanges i yep. been pod exchanged in for new cars. Yep. An old pod exchange at the corner of the garage there. I took it away. I cleaned it. I scrubbed yep. it. I made it look like it were a million dollars. Yeah. You know, and I sold it for 100 quid, the first one, right? I had to return him 70 quid. So I earned 30 quid out of the first car, which is about $50 uh, New Zealand money. And I thought, wow, you know, that's a week's wages. I went back up, I gave him my £70 sterling, and I said, can I do it again? And he said, of course you can, you've paid me. (laughs) And I did it again and again and again, until I learnt another valuable lesson, that once you had enough money, you could negotiate a much better deal if you can pay up front, which is what I did. So I went from one car to another to another, until somebody rang me about a van. I thought, I don't want a van. But then I took it, I took the van. And sometimes you never know when opportunity comes. Scrubbed it, cleaned it, sold it. Loads and loads of phone calls for it. I thought, vans. So I did that for a while. And then I got this eureka moment where somebody rang me and said, Dave, I've got a minibus for sale. I thought, I don't want a minibus. Have you not got any vans? I thought, a minibus is 45 foot long, 12 foot high, 11 foot wide, tons of seats, it's going to take forever to clean. And he said, no, no, I've got this bus for sale. So I took it. I scrubbed it. I cleaned it. I spent hours on it. I advertised it. Straight into the local newspaper. Phone rung Immediately. I'm ringing about the bus, the bus, the bus. I thought, wow, buses, eureka. And today, I'm the largest supplier of buses in the country. Wow. So you never know when them decisions become very, very important. And did you start liking buses? I started loving buses. There's nobody loves buses more than me. I'm spotting buses outside this window now, you know. And... Things went really well for a long time after that. And every time I had some spare money, instead of buying myself a fancy car, I'd buy a little house, because houses were so cheap back then. Three, four thousand dollars would buy your house. You're still in Burnley at the stage? Yes. And things were going well. And then we go right the way up to 2008, and then, suddenly, the financial crash. Yes. The banks just stopped lending to everybody. Now, I didn't need to borrow money. I'd done okay. But my customers needed to borrow money to buy the buses. So I were building these buses and scrubbing buses and buying and selling buses. And then overnight, the banks stopped lending. I used to fill the forms and send them off to the banks. The banks would pay me for the bus and the customer would get it. They'd use it for days out. They'd take people to the races. They'd be taking kids to school in the morning. That's what they did. But I thought, if if I can't sell these buses, if the banks won't finance them, I'll have to do something different. So I thought, if I believe in these people, if I really understand what they're buying, of course I do, I built some of them and they live where they say they're going to live, and they do what they say they're going to do. And if I trust them, why don't I lend them the money? So I lent them the money. They paid me back. I thought, this banking malarkey, it's not that (laughs) difficult. So that's how that idea started. And then I thought, well, maybe I can help other businesses, not just bosses. So then I started lending money to other businesses, and I thought, I'll start a little community bank, run by the community to benefit the community rather than the bonus culture. So off to London I went to speak to the bankers about wanting to open a bank. And can you just open a bank? That's what I said. (laughs) So I met this guy called Andrew Hilton. He was the head of all the bankers, the top man in charge. You know, he asked me where I was from. I said, I'm from Burnley. That put him off for starters. And he said, have you been to Oxford or Cambridge? And I said, Oxford or Cambridge University? I said, let me tell you about people who come from Burnley. We don't get them sorts of opportunities. And he said, well, what do your mum and dad do? I said, well, my dad works on a farm at morning. He's a farm labourer. And in the afternoon, he works in the mill as a tackler fixing looms. Big mill industry in Burnley, you see. or oh, it was back then. And then my mum's a weaver. And he said, oh, no, no, no. You've not got the correct parents. You've not been to the correct school. You're not from the correct place. You have no chance. I wanted to stick him in a wheelie bin. I thought, <laughs> I'm going to do it anyway. You know, you've got to learn to turn them no's into yes's. And how did you do that? Well, I just thought, let's set off. Let's let's press that sat nav button and go for it. So I I got myself a little shop. I thought, that can be the premises. I've still got it today. And I did the place up and I got a right-hand man called David Enshaw, who a dear friend of mine. He's been in banking 55 years, one of the old-fashioned bank managers. He was brilliant. He looks at people as people and he does manually underwriting, which is looking at people, if they've had a problem in the past, if they've had a, a CCJ, if they've not paid a credit card bill, if they've maybe got divorced and they've got over it. He looks at people rather than computers 300 miles away making decisions. And then we bought the computer systems and we thought, right, we're up and running, and I got the local HSBC bank manager to come along who just refurbed a place, and I asked him, I said, what have you spent on your refurb? You know, he said, a million pounds, you know, nearly a couple of million dollars. And he said to me, how much have I spent? I said, nine grand. I said, I'm 991,000 pounds better off than you, and I've <laughs> only just opened the door.
0: <laughs> and that's how it all got going. And it all got going and then so obviously it's a great story and you know you 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 started uh writing about it talking about it putting uh, all the stuff up on social media and then it's become a movie well i mean after we got got started the tv company turned right up. so I, I didn't
1: i never started off in life to get into media yeah the tv companies turned up and they said i want to make a documentary about it and i thought will it be helpful i don't know But then i started to realize i come up against all these problems against the government and regulations and having the media with you protects you to a certain extent right because what i wanted to do is i wanted to help people get the best rate of interest on the high street and then wanted to take that money and lend it to people and businesses who couldn't borrow from the high street bank and the profit give to charity. So obviously I'm a terrible person because that's what the regulator thought. <laughs> yeah. When you've got the fridge of the shreds of the world who've gone and lost billions, 50 billion of taxpayers' money, but I'm trying to give it to charity and they think that's bad. <laughs> and so so, so you, you, and you've and you got this whole TikTok thing going as well, right? Yeah, well, I've, I've made lots of documentaries. I've yep. been very lucky. I, you know, I've... Been nominated for three baftas i won two i've got role telling society awards six broadcast awards lots of books and um one documentary came then another then another and i started doing stuff for america and it just i started doing radio and i actually love radio more than telly yeah um I, it's i'm a real fan i think Same. it's i think it's a real a real a real feel good place you know um and uh everything just started to pick up And we we ended up getting the bank sorted and everything. We lived happily ever after with that. And then I got this phone call from America from a guy called Piers. Piers Ashworth. And he was a writer, famous writer from Hollywood. You don't normally get them sorts of phone calls when you come from Burnley. (laughs) And he said, I want to make a, a movie about your life, Dave. And I thought, a biopic? He said, yeah, something like that. I said, well, aren't you supposed to be dead when you get a biopic? He said, well, sort of. I said, well, I'm not. I'm alive. And he said, no, no, let me come and see you. I said, well, get yourself to Burnley here. And he did. He came to Burnley and we chatted about it. And like I said, Piers Ashworth makes, you know, he writes movies for Tom Cruise. He he writes all the Mission Impossible movies. And he said, I want to make a feel-good movie. He said, I've watched a lot of documentaries you've made and I've seen what you've done with the community. He said, are you interested? And I said, well, who'd play me? He said, well, who would you like to play you? (laughs) I said, well... You know, you deal with Tom a lot. I look very similar. Me and Tom Cruise, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, perhaps not. <laughs> but we got an enormously wonderful, wonderful person called Rory Kinnear. Yeah. Whose dad were Roy Kinnear.
0: Yeah. A
1: famous uh, movie star. And, it, it, and Rory's out of Bond. Yeah, good-looking good, good looking man. Yeah. Now, Rory looks more like me than I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he's Tanner out of all the Bond films. yeah. So Rory plays me and um, Phoebe Denover out of Bridgerton plays the leading lady. She's the lead out of Bridgerton. And, you know, she was one day she were on the set of Bridgerton on a hundred million dollar set in America. The next day she flies over to Burnley and she's on Burnley Market with me on a cold Tuesday, wet afternoon eating fish and
0: chips. So
1: what a culture shock that were for her.
0: And so when with and so this, the script was written, and obviously you sat down, and told your story, and the script was written, and then the film was made. Were you active in, in the? Uh, were you on set? Were you pesting around telling people that it wasn't wasn't going right, that they were doing things wrong, that they were that that, that they were uh, they were messing you up. Well,
1: I just said to people, it has to be done in the place, as it were. So, oh, yep.
0: the, the movie is actually it's
1: that's in my house. You know, in the news the the New Zealand Herald. Uh, this week is a picture I've just seen it now is a picture of me in my kitchen in my house in this newspaper from the other side of the world and what a wonderful experience that is to to see you know we actually filmed in my house we filmed in my garage we filmed at the bank we filmed in Burnley we filmed at the Burnley market and it were done we filmed in Burnley football club it were done
0: in the places where all these things happened and it's on it came out it was a Netflix film was it? Yeah, because it's um, not Netflix here, it's Netflix it's, UK. It's 100% cinematically released in Australian New Zealand. Oh, cool, yeah. So I see that. It premieres in New Zealand cinemas on yeah. Thursday, June the 1st.
1: Yes, it's it's out now. People oh, it is? Can go oh, hang on. It. Yeah, that's yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> so it's out now. Um, and that's one of the reasons I've come along to chat about it. Um, it's, it's a real good feel-good film. It's, it's inspirational, hopefully, and I'd love people to come out of the cinema and think, you know what, I'm inspired to do something myself. You know, I want to do something myself, whether it's start a little finance company, whether it's get something going with the community, whether it's get a new job, whether it's get a pay rise, just inspired to really, if I can do it, if burn. Burnley can do it, anybody
0: can. <laughs> well, bloody good on you, and great to meet you, Dave Fishwick, and the movie, as I said before, it's out on, I just said it before, it's 1st of June in cinemas around New Zealand, so... uh Go along and see it, and thanks so much for coming in. Thank you, a real pleasure.